welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The Trump University School of Psychological Projections, where Nancy Pelosi is the one having the meltdown, Adam Schiff is a liar, and the real crime is investigating crime. Crazy Trump's Saudi Arabian rent-to-own American military. Days after Trump withdrew troops vital to the protection of our Kurdish allies, he deployed troops to Saudi Arabia because, quote, Saudi Arabia has, at my request, agreed to pay us for everything we are doing. Come on down to Crazy Trump's Saudi Arabian rent-to-own American military. Our foreign policy is insane. And ISIS. We're back. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in volume what Trump's national security policies lack in national security. Our top story this week... According to the New York Times, as a result of President Trump impulsively greenlighting Turkey's invasion of northern Syria, the U.S. State and Energy Departments are, quote, reviewing plans for evacuating roughly 50 nuclear weapons that the United States had long stored under American control at Inkerlik Air Base in Turkey. The story goes on to quote a source as saying that those weapons are essentially Turkish President Erdogan's hostages. So there's that. Barely Audible Whisper obtained audio of military professionals trying to brief President Trump in the White House Situation Room. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. Ugh, I hate this Situation Room. Every time I come to this Situation Room, Wolf Blitzer is never here. Where is he? Once again, Mr. President, you're confusing American national security with a television show. Fake news, General Fake News. I call you General Fake News because you're a general and you're fake news. Like CNN, which is fake news because they report what I do and what I say instead of what I say I do and what I say I say. Mr. President, Turkey now has effective control over roughly 50 of our nukes. The fact that America has lost control of roughly 50 nukes is almost as frightening as the use of the term roughly when defining numbers of nukes. I know that, National Security Advisor, who can keep track anymore. O'Brien, my name is Robert O'Brien. I know that, mustacheless John Bolton, I'm not a baby. But I don't have time to learn a bunch of hard-to-pronounce names. But my name is Robert O'Brien. Of people who have unimportant jobs. I'm the National Security Advisor. That I'm going to fire them from via tweet. Whenever I need to blame somebody for the completely predictable consequences that I couldn't have possibly predicted. Mr. President, we got to get those nukes out of Turkey. I hereby declare that those nukes get out of Turkey. It's it's not that simple, Mr. President. Uh, ever since you gave President Erdogan a green light... Fake news, General Fake News. I never gave Turkey the green light to invade Syria. I had a perfect phone call with Erdogan, and we were playing red light, green light. And I said, red light. And he said, I want to slaughter those Kurds. And I said, green light. And then he hung up the phone. The point is that when you impulsively threatened to cripple the Turkish economy in an impulsive effort to look tough, after you impulsively abandoned our Kurdish allies... The Kurds didn't help us at Normandy or at the Battle of the Bands or during the Clone Wars when we really needed them. Our alliance with Turkey is suddenly tenuous. If we move to pull our 
50-ish nuclear weapons out of their airbase, our alliance will fracture. Which means we'll have to try and safely remove, uh, let's just call it 50 nuclear weapons out of a hostile foreign airbase. I wrote a beautiful letter to Erdogan. I said, don't be a tough guy. Problem solved. Mr. President, Erdogan has 50, give or take a Hiroshima or two, of our nuclear weapons that we cannot safely evacuate. I'm so strategically brilliant. Trump is the most brilliant strategizationer in the Stragosaurus history of brilliant strategio spaghettios. The nukes, Mr. President. What are we going to do about the nukes? Uh, I'm going to trade them to Erdogan for another Trump Tower Istanbul that's even bigger than the Trump Tower Istanbul that I already make money off of. Mr. President, you can't just trade 47 plus a three-mile island makes 50 nuclear weapons for a licensing deal. I hate that. That's why I didn't bother to learn your name. I hereby declare that the new National Security Advisor is some other guy. Hello, Mr. President. Some other guy reporting for duty. Mr. President, this some other guy is a Putin-connected Russian oligarch. Was Putin-connected oligarch. Then I make million-dollar donation to Trump inaugural committee. Now I am national security advisor. I hire the best people. I have solution. American government pays me millions. I take 50, give or take an ending to Planet of the Apes nuclear weapons and store them in Moscow for safekeeping. I even make up allegations against Democrats free of charge. The Nobel Peace Prize is totally rigged against me. Shepard Smith, better known as simply Shep, one of the only journalists at Fox News who actually does journalism, resigned from Fox News, thus depriving Fox News viewers of the only hour in the day where they actually received actual information. While obvious plastic surgery makes Shep's appearance look as ridiculously unreal as Fox News programming, his integrity as a journalist, unlike his face, was authentic. Since his resignation, after more than two decades of loyal service, Shep has been met with near-universal praise for having the courage and integrity to bravely defy Fox News. But honestly, how much integrity does it really take to have more integrity than Fox News? To answer that question, Barely Audible Whisper presents Shep Smith, a profile in Sort of Courage. Shepard Smith, like his face, is an aberration. Like his face, he fits a carefully crafted and highly engineered mold. A mold that has been carefully designed to artificially resemble journalistic integrity. The way his face has been designed to resemble a face. My next guest espouses a conspiracy theory about President Obama that is not supported by any evidence. At the end of the interview, I will repeat that there's no evidence to support his claim. But in between those two weak bookends... I'm going to let him spew his nonsense unchallenged for five minutes, creating the illusion that, while as of yet unproven, there just might be something to this. For more than two decades, Shep presented the news in a fact-based, but not so subtly right-leaning manner that would have seemed like blatant editorializing at a real news outlet, but at Fox was seen as the kind of fair and balanced coverage they desperately want to pretend they report. Again, it's like how his face pretends to look like a face. Having spent less than two minutes presenting the actual facts, I now turn to our panel of partisan hacks masquerading as experts, 
who will spend six minutes reframing the facts into a familiar, prefabricated, right-wing narrative by applying cliched Republican talking points, whether they are applicable to the situation or not. But as Fox News' devolution from right-leaning news into dishonest tribalism was hastened by the Trump presidency into blatantly false North Korea-style propaganda, Shep remained as immovable as his facial expressions. Manipulating facts to fit into a preconceived political agenda is one thing, but manufacturing facts is an uglier level of ugliness, and my commitment to doing whatever is necessary to fight all perceived forms of ugliness is written all over my face. As Fox's so-called opinion hosts delve further into the abyss of racism and blind loyalty to dear leader, only President Trump and his magical wall can keep us safe from the hordes of illegal, criminal terrorists whose children are lucky to be taken from the evil clutches of their mothers and lovingly placed into Trump-branded summer camps, where they can get the opportunity to make jewelry by Ivanka. And their defense of Trump's indefensible behavior became more irrational and conspiratorial. The destroy Trump media, with the help of the notoriously leftist FBI, are framing Trump in a desperate attempt to make it look like Trump did what Trump did because the Obama deep state rigged the election to ensure that Hillary would win the election she lost. Shep Smith's hour a day of relatively not terrible journalism became more and more dedicated to correcting the insane propaganda being spread by Fox like wildfire. California wildfires are punishment from God for Hollywood. There is no evidence to support the claim that God is deliberately burning California as punishment for Hollywood. As Secretary of State Hillary Clinton sold all of America's uranium to Russia in exchange for a bribe, we have no evidence she received. That claim is impossible. First of all, Russia never received any American uranium. The State Department was only one of ten government agencies that had to sign off on the deal. Also, there's no evidence to support the claim. Shep's point-by-point takedowns of Fox's most egregiously insane conspiracy theories were celebrated by liberals as proof that Fox News had become too Fox News for Fox News. Yay! One guy at Fox contradicted another guy at Fox. Surely this one three-minute segment will magically undo 23 years of damage. But as liberals somehow failed to predict, Fox's opinion hosts simply trained the ire of their rhetoric on Shep himself. Shep Smith's face was stolen by the deep state and replaced with a false flag face. And that's why his deep state false flag face makes up those deep state false flag facts. Who could have possibly seen that coming? This ongoing battle between Shep, whose increasing frustration was undetectable on his unexpressive face, and Fox News opinion programming came to a head when Shep called out Tucker Carlson for calling out Judge Napolitano for calling out Trump. Without delving too far into the white telenovela of Fox's inner drama, Judge Napolitano is a reliably conservative Fox News legal analyst who, like Shep, occasionally tells inconvenient truths. Napolitano's admission that Trump's behavior in Ukraine is criminal caused Fox opinion host and reason people hate white people, Tucker Carlson, to call Napolitano, quote, foolish, which led Shep to criticize Carlson on the air using language that the old white people who actually watch Fox News consider abrasive. Attacking our colleague who's here to offer legal assessments on air is repugnant. Yay! Two guys at Fox contradicted another guy at Fox. Surely this one three-minute segment will magically undo 23 years of damage. 
Shep was immediately scolded by Fox News executives and told that if he ever criticized Tucker Carlson on air again, it would cost him his job. Who could have possibly seen that coming? A short while later, Shep resigned his position at Fox News. Yay! One guy at Fox quit! Surely one resignation will magically... Shep's one-hour programming that wasn't terrible has been temporarily replaced with a rotating cast of terrible temporary hosts until a permanently terrible replacement emerges. Who could have possibly seen that coming? And so while the rest of the media lavishes praise on Shep Smith for the not-really-achievement achievement of having slightly more integrity than Fox News, we here at Barely Audible Whisper have chosen to give Shep exactly the amount of condescending praise he deserves. Good boy, Shep. That's a good Shep. Yes, you are a good Shep. There is no evidence to support the claim that I'm a good boy. At a press conference on Thursday, President Trump's acting chief of staff and the only nerd who ever deserved to be bullied, Mick Mulvaney, announced that the upcoming G7 summit will be held at President Trump's Doral property in Florida and admitted that there was a quid pro quo that directly tied Ukrainian aid money to Ukraine's willingness to investigate Democrats. Mulvaney followed his admission of criminal abuse of power by saying, quote, it happens uh, all the time. And telling critics to, quote, uh, get over it. So apparently, President Trump's new legal strategy is to embrace the anarchist punk rock attitude of a Judas Priest song. Breaking the law, breaking the law. While maintaining that criminal abuse of power is a regular old everyday occurrence. Nothing unusual going on here. Just tying congressionally mandated military aid to a country being actively occupied by America's chief global adversary to that country's willingness to participate in a bogus dirty tricks campaign against the president's chief political rival. But as desperately as Mulvaney tried to play it cool during his press conference... Just play it cool, boy. Real cool. The stammer in his voice and the sweat on his upper lip betrayed his inner panic. It, 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 it uh, happens all the t- 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 time. Uh, just a little of the uh, uh, old quid pro quo. <laughs> That's a funny phrase. Quid pro quo. <laughs> funny l- 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 like uh, haha. Not funny, like, uh, illegal. Uh, (laughs) just play it cool, Mulvaney. Real cool. Barely Audible Whisper obtained audio of Mulvaney preparing for his presser. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman because we hear he still hates that. I don't know about this. Uh, If I just go out there and admit there was a quid pro quo that directly linked military aid to Ukraine's willingness to cooperate in an illegal dirty trick scheme against the Democrats, well, then I'll be admitting that we directly tied military aid to an illegal dirty trick scheme against the Democrats. 
Quit whining. I'm the president. Nobody is allowed to whine but me. Right. Just play it cool, Mulvaney. Real cool. This legal defense is the best legal defense in the history of legal defenses because I invented it. It's called the I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any votes legal defense. And how it works is I shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and don't lose any votes. That's not so much a legal defense as a flagrant violation of the law dependent on people being too blindly worshipful or cowardly to do anything about it. Exactly. It's the perfect legal defense. Okay, but admitting to a quid pro quo in Ukraine is bad enough. Is it really necessary to push your luck and announce that you'll be personally profiting to the tune of millions of dollars by hosting the G7 Summit at a property you own? Breaking the law, breaking the law. But isn't the whole key to breaking the law being sneaky about it so you don't get caught? That's the genius of the I could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and not lose any votes legal defense. I don't have to be sneaky. I just have to shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and then say the real shoot someone on Fifth Avenue is the Democrats. But that doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. Not making sense is the whole point. Republicans will make it make sense to them, but Democrats won't be able to make any sense of it because it doesn't make any sense. But they won't be able to stop the nonsense because it's impossible to sustain a sensible strategy to combat nonsense. So, essentially, the crux of your entire legal strategy against impeachment is... Breaking the law, breaking the law. With all due respect, Mr. President, that seems like a risky strategy. What choice do I have? I'm guilty as hell. Well, that's a fair point. But I'm still nervous. Just play it, Trump, Mulvaney. Real Trump. Got a Trump in my Trump. Trump. Real Trump. Fox News drew the ire of President Trump and his followers by releasing a poll showing that a majority of voters support impeachment. The back and forth about the merits and issues with the polls are complex and hard to follow, so we turn to two nerds. I'm Ashley That's False, and I'm a liberal statistics and data nerd. I'm Will You're Wrong, and I'm a conservative political science and media nerd. Well, conservative doesn't really cover it. I'm what Mitchell would call a plutocratic nationalist. Oh, well, if we're being obtusely complex about our political identifications, I'm a libertarian individualist. Fine then. Let's get to the point. I don't know why we're even here debating this. As President Trump said, it's been proven that this poll is incorrect. Actually, that's false. No credible sources have made that proof. Well, you're wrong. Braun research showed that adjusting for party affiliation would conclude a near split on impeachment. Actually, that's false. Braun's adjustments are faulty as well. Well, you're wrong. 
If you simply compare the Gallup polling data regarding political identification with the data compiled by this Fox News poll, you'll see a stark difference between the percentages. Actually, that's false. First off, there's a recency issue. Gallup's latest data is from before the Ukraine news came out, so it's reasonable that a sizable chunk of the populace has changed affiliation. Well, you're wrong. It takes more than that for someone to change their entire political identity. I wasn't finished. Secondly, Fox News' poll included the option to identify as leaning Democrat or leaning Republican, which the Gallup poll does not. So where the Gallup poll had 38% independents, the Fox News poll splits those into 12% independent, 8% leaning Democrat, and 7% leaning Republican. So the Fox News poll is not that far off from Gallup numbers. Well, you're still wrong overall. If you adjust for party affiliation using those numbers, you'd still get less than 50% supporting impeachment. So the headline that a majority of Americans support impeachment is wrong. I suppose I can concede the two or three percentage points, which are within the margin of error anyway, that potentially drop the number below 50%. Still, more people favor impeachment than oppose. Agree to disagree. But there's still so much more wrong with this poll. Some of the phrasing is pretty biased, but that's not abnormal. And we should give the poll credit for actually making the distinction between impeachment and removed from office, given how many idiots out there think impeachment means removing from office. Well, you're wrong. We should not give the poll credit for that. Respondents had to choose between both impeaching and removing from office before even getting the option to say, I support impeachment, but not removal. What's the problem there? Anyone who said yes to impeachment and removal didn't get the option to clarify. That's why the number of people who said they support impeachment but not removal is so laughably low. Why is that laughable? Maybe you don't know that much more about impeachment than the people you called idiots a moment ago. Impeachment is just bringing to trial. Duh. The trial itself happens before the Senate. Duh, again. So, according to this poll, only 4% of Americans actually believe in waiting for the outcome of a trial before making a decision about removing the president from office. That'd be like taking a poll on whether or not OJ should get the death penalty while he's still riding in the Bronco. It's just irresponsible. Agree to disagree. I concede that there's some improvability there, but the president wants to throw out the entire poll based on a bad analysis and the mere fact that it doesn't say what he likes. And if you take the time to read the full poll results and not just whatever headlines come out about it, there's a lot of great stuff. Mm, between the sampling flaws and the biased phrasing, none of it is usable. Actually, that's false. There's nothing wrong with the phrasing of the final question. What do you think is more important to Donald Trump? Doing what's best for himself or doing what's best for the country? Mathematically, at least 3% of Republicans aren't convinced that Trump is doing what's best for America. I'll be honest, I'm one of them. Yeah, that's a good question. Agree to agree? Yes. Who'd have thought pitting two nerds against each other would result in some kind of consensus? Say what you want about nerds, at least we listen to facts. <laughs> we should conduct our own poll. Totally. Question one, do you identify as Democrat? Question two, do you identify as Republican? Both on a four-point Likert scale. Likert? Please. A Gutman scale is superior in every conceivable way. Actually, that's false. Well, you're wrong. Thank mm -hmm. you.
North Korean state media released photographs of Kim Jong-un riding a white horse on top of the sacred Korean mountain of Mount Paiktu. Although experts disagree about what the images mean, there is universal agreement that the photos are objectively hilarious. Except, of course, in North Korea, where state-controlled media brought the infamous effusive woman in silk robes out of retirement to lavish dear leader in praise. Dear leader atop a great white steed at the peak of our most sacred mountain is so beautiful it makes my eyes hurt. Of course, dear leader rode the magnificent horse all the way up the sacred mountain because that which is physically impossible is easy for dear leader, whose penis is as large as his haircut, is not ridiculous. Again, experts agree that is objectively hilarious, but have no idea what it means. For a deeper look at the hilarious mystery of Kim Jong-un's white stallion glamour shot photo shoot atop a sacred mountain, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our own Harvard professor, so pretentious that he insists on being called Dr. Professor. The sacred Korean mountain of Mount Paik and the imagery of a white horse are central to the founding mythology of North Korea's ruling Kim Dynasty. Kim Jong-un's grandfather, Kim Il-sung, claims to have been visited by an image of a white horse in the sacred mountain while battling the Japanese in the early 1900s. I was visited by an image of a white horse while I was on a mountain. So that means you have to obey everything I say. All the time. No matter how crazy it is. That doesn't make any sense. Or I will kill you. Oh, now I understand. The symbolism of Mount Pike 2 is so important in North Korean propaganda that Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, who was born in the Soviet Union, claimed to have been born on the peak of the sacred mountain to project an image of divine authority. I was totally born on top of the sacred mountain, so that means you have to obey everything I say all the time, no matter how crazy it is. But hospital records indicate... Or I will kill you! Oh, now I understand. It is therefore not surprising that Kim Jong-un would use the mountain frequently to project his own power like he did in 2017 when North Korean state media released photos of Kim Jong-un atop the sacred mountain wearing perfectly unscuffed shiny leather shoes proclaiming that he had just completed a solo climb of the 9,000 foot Dear leader, in all of his not-at-all pudgy masculinity, climbed the 9,000-foot mountain all by himself, and he didn't even scuff up his beautiful leather shoes. We are so blessed to have such a not-at-all pudgy leader whose haircut is no way ridiculous. The question that we must now ponder is what is the broader geopolitical significance of a pudgy man with ridiculous hair mounting a white stallion like a fascist Vladimir Putin cover band? 
Dear leader says we will be self-reliant in the face of evil American sanctions. We are so blessed to have such a compassionate leader who from his position of opulent wealth summons the strength and wisdom to lecture starving people about self-reliance. I, I wasn't being sarcastic, I swear. I'll allow it. Much of the propaganda statements surrounding Kim's white stallion Fabio Pose seemed intended to convey a message of self-reliance in the face of Western sanctions. A message which would comport with Kim's previous assertions that North Korea would redirect its resources away from nuclear weapons with a focus on the economic well-being of the North Korean people. Increased Western sanctions have made Kim's efforts at economic revitalization all the more difficult. It seems likely, therefore, that Kim will do what most narcissistic dictators do when confronted with a challenge. Give up, blame his enemies for his failure, and overcompensate with an act of aggression. The reason you're starving to death while I live in opulence is because of America. I saw what happened to the other two guys. I'm going to skip ahead to... Oh, now I understand. I kill you anyway, just to keep people on their toes. In order to please, dear leader, it is the privilege of all North Koreans to walk on our toes like beautiful ballerinas. Just in case, dear leader meant that literally. It is therefore feared that the true significance of the pictures of Pudgy Putin lies in the cryptic warning of its closing paragraph in which Kim warns of a, quote, great operation to strike the world with wonder again and advance the Korean revolution a step forward. Precisely what is meant by great operation and where such an operation may strike are unknowable. But there is no way to read that statement as an indication of anything positive. There will be a great operation to strike the world with wonder again and advance the Korean revolution a step forward. I stand corrected. That was an objectively positive reading of an objectively frightening statement, which makes the objectively frightening statement objectively even more frightening, thus objectively ruining the objective hilarity of an Asian Napoleon complex mounted on a white stallion. While Congress is conducting an impeachment investigation that centers on a phone call with a foreign leader in which President Trump violated campaign finance laws while leveraging American national security interests for personal political gains, President Trump made another insane foreign policy decision as the direct result of another phone call with another foreign leader. The obvious connection between the two similar events is that the president is as bad at phone calls as he is at everything else. Less obvious is the connection between both phone calls and President Trump's personal attorney and living proof that evil is bad for your skin, Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani's involvement in the Ukrainian scheme that has led to impeachment proceedings against Trump was established when he denied and then immediately confessed to it on television. I never investigated Joe Biden in Ukraine. Of course I investigated Joe Biden in Ukraine. Giuliani furthered his involvement in the illegal Ukrainian dirty tricks campaign when he appeared on Fox News reading from what he claimed was an affidavit, but was actually a printout from a right-wing conspiracy website. 
I'm waving around an affidavit that incriminates Joe Biden. This is definitely an affidavit and not a printout from a right-wing conspiracy website, so please don't check. I would never pretend a printout from a right-wing conspiracy website is actually an affidavit. Of course I pretend that a printout from a right-wing conspiracy website is an affidavit. Giuliani is currently being investigated by the Southern District of New York following the arrest of his Ukrainian conspirators whose mugshots look so much like stereotypes of Ukrainian co-conspirators that they became the stereotype for Ukrainian co-conspirators even though there was no previous stereotype for Ukrainian co-conspirators. Giuliani has refused to hire an attorney despite his clear connection to Vlade D and Vlade Dum. Why do I need to waste money on a lawyer when I can pretend printouts of right-wing conspiracy theories are affidavits for free? According to the Washington Post, Giuliani has not only been running an insane shadow diplomacy scheme in Ukraine, he has also been running an insane shadow diplomacy scheme in Turkey, the country that President Trump just allowed to invade northern Syria. Bear with us, this story is a little weird which is why we're explaining it in a new segment we're calling Bear With Us. This story is a little weird. Welcome to Bear With Us, This Story is a Little Weird, where we ask you to bear with us because this story is a little weird. So, bear with us. This story's a little weird. So, three years ago, there was a failed military coup attempt against President Erdogan in Turkey. Erdogan blames the coup on an exiled Turkish cleric living in rural Pennsylvania. How an elderly man orchestrated a military coup in Turkey from the Pennsylvania countryside has never been explained, but Erdogan obsessively insists it's true. Shortly after the coup attempt in Turkey, Donald Trump was elected president of the United States of America. That's where I come into the story. Actually, you don't come into the story until later. Of course I don't come into the story until later. Erdogan had been secretly paying Trump's new national security advisor, Michael Flynn, to influence American foreign policy in Turkey's favor. Unfortunately for Erdogan, Flynn got caught lying to the FBI and had to resign his position as national security advisor after less than a month. He should have pretended a printout from a right-wing conspiracy website was an affidavit. Works every time! Fortunately for Erdogan, he was able to find another mentally unstable, cravenly corrupt, once respected, useful idiot willing to subvert American interests to, to Turkey for money. Erdogan wanted Trump to extradite an elderly cleric who he believes orchestrated a military coup in Turkey from just outside of Amish country in Pennsylvania. And I said, no problem. I've pushed less plausible theories than that before. According to the Washington Post, Giuliani pushed President Trump to extradite the cleric so often that a source inside the White House called it his, quote, hobby horse. Me! Extradite the cleric! Yay! The horsey goes back and forth. For the third time, our Trump impersonator is a woman because of the rule of threes. Hi ho, Trump! Away! The good news is that President Trump's not quite as crazy as Rudy Giuliani's advisors talked him out of extraditing the cleric to Turkey. The bad news is President Trump needed to be talked out of agreeing with such an insane conspiracy theory. If Obama can run a deep state operation to frame me for colluding with Russia... Why can't an elderly cleric orchestrate a military coup in Turkey from a Pennsylvania farm? Moo. As of this recording, we don't know what other favors and financial entanglements there are between Giuliani, President Trump, and Erdogan. 
And we still don't know exactly what transpired on Trump's phone call with Erdogan, which I'm sure was perfect, that led the president to announce the immediate withdrawal of U.S. troops protecting the Kurds from Turkish forces in northern Syria. But if you don't think Trump's otherwise inexplicable decision to greenlight Turkey's invasion of Kurdish territory isn't connected to my corrupt shadow diplomacy, then you're probably also dumb enough to believe that a printout from a right-wing conspiracy website is an affidavit! Oh, we got a paper cut. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisperer, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer, Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress, Molly Brown, writer and actor, Daniel Carter-Brown, and actors, Corey Burns and Tommy Strock. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on all of our social medias. We appreciate your support. She's adorable, but too loud. Hey, guys. <laughs> Humorous.